Baseball season is right around the corner and Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman will serve as your guides to the good, the bad, and the utterly bizarre corners of the baseball world on Baseball Barbecue. In the run-up to the season, they'll dive into the rabbit hole on some of their favorite fascinations from the home run derby to baseball brawls and more. Once the MLB season returns, they'll break down the latest news and developments with their trademark wit and irreverence. Check out Baseball Barbecue on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. It is the Ringer NFL show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. Nora Princiati joins me. Nora, what's going on? Day two. Day two. It's lit, Kevin. I'm really enjoying all I'm kind of excited about this. I like the slow burn of NFL free agency. What type of free agency do you like better? Do you like a everything happens, like we learn about everything before free agency technically starts? Or do you like a four o'clock Eastern, first day of the new league year, boom, Mm. 20 deals come down at one time, quote unquote. Yeah, I... I, what I like, I don't care when it comes down relative to the start of the league year. What I care about is that we get to find waves because it's really interesting to see what cert, how how the league views certain players and who goes in the first hour, who goes in the second day, who has to take the visit, who signs three weeks later. I mean, that's the fascinating thing because the league tells you the evaluation of the player. And so that's why I like when there's kind of a, a, a slow churn there and you get to sort of see see what's going on. So listen, I'm watching game film. I got I got some hockey on. The blue shirts just scored. Heck yeah. Hey, wait. I will say this. I will say this. Uh, I used to love hockey. One of my favorite sports growing up. Played it longer than any other sport. And I on the West Coast, just got out of it for a little bit. Probably haven't watched a full hockey game in, in three years, unfortunately. And there's a handful of Ringer employees who watch every single Rangers period. Like every single shot. Know everything. And I've watched hockey for a week. And I am confidently arguing with them um, and pretending I know more than them, uh, which means I'm back. Are you a Rangers fan? I'm learning these players. No, no, I'm just a general hockey fan. I'm like Rob Lowe. I've got the NHL hat on. Okay, but you are choosing a New York hockey team. That's a different podcast. That's a different. I am. I'm going through the process. We'll go after free agency is over. We're going to go through the whole process and we'll get there. It's a different podcast. So let's tell the people what we're doing here today. No more New York hockey talk. I'm just going to, no, I get, I get one more sentence just so that I can try to get people to lobby alongside me. I'm trying to convince, I am an adopted, sort of an adopted New Yorker. And the one New York sports team that has really resonated with me is the New York Rangers. I do not watch every game. However, nonetheless, I am trying to lobby Kevin along with several other ringer employees to become a Rangers fan because he has expressed a desire to adopt a New York hockey team. And having done so myself with the Rangers, I can tell you that it's a really wonderful experience and you should absolutely do it. No decision has been made. I'm currently on Long Island. So it's kind of a, a home game for the Isles, the first place Isles. But let's let's get you that in another podcast. So we're doing a quick micropod, 20, 25 minutes, whatever it is. Uh, having said that, we'll go for an hour. 
Um, because on Friday, we have myself, Danny Hyphens, Danny Kelly, with a episode of Big Board. It is their show. I'm guessing it's going to be really fun. What we want to do is just go through some of the big transactions that happened on Wednesday and just catch you up. Some of the some team building plans have, are really taking shape. Um, some are more question marks. There are some teams that didn't do anything today, uh, and we're starting to, you know, starting to wonder. Um, so we just wanted to go through what happened on Wednesday and just sort of great at talk about it, whatever. Um, I will say Curtis Samuel just signed a three-year, $34 million deal with Washington football team. Really interesting um, move as far as his versatility, his speed. Uh, I saw Matt Harmon had him at 88% uh, percentile as far as beating man coverage last year. Um, can do a lot of things that offense. And you pair that with William Jackson, who they signed last night as one of their, their top cornerbacks. Um, William Jackson, by the way, has the lowest allowed completion percentage and second lowest average target separation. So he's he's close to the guys he defends uh, since entering the NFL in 2017. So by some metrics, he is the best performing cornerback in the NFL. So I'm starting to think, Nora, you pair this with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I kind of like this Washington football team right now. I really like this Washington football team in terms of what they have at the skill positions, right? Because, okay, so you add Samuel to McLaurin and Sims and Harmon. Gibson's a good running back. They have McKissick. They probably have some work to do figuring out tight end, but Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't feel like your your solution for the long term, right? But if they got a young quarterback in there who worked out, they would be dropping that player into a really, really suddenly good roster. Yeah. Kind of overall. With Fitz, they can do it for, you know, they'll they'll probably have a pretty high floor. I don't know what the ceiling is, but it doesn't feel like they have the final piece of the puzzle, but I like what they're doing a lot. I agree. Uh, Fitz is the wild card here. What if Fitz, instead of playing inconsistently and only catching fire for like four games at a time, what if he just caught fire for 16 games? What if what if he just turns it on the whole time? Um, kind of like he did in Buffalo a couple years ago. Uh, probably not likely, okay? Um, so that makes him a, a huge sort of, I, I don't know what the X factor, I guess you could say, um, because if they get anything out of him, that's a positive. If they get a, a young quarterback and they can develop, and that's great. I would say the NFC East to me is really fascinating. There is no law that says the Cowboys are going to automatically get better. Um, we saw what they were, even when they had Dak Prescott, who I think is one of the best quarterbacks in football. Even when he was there the first month of the season, um, that defense was atrocious. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I put a poll up today just to see. I wanted just an exercise. And I wanted to see how many people thought that if they ran a football team, they could make the playoffs over the course of a decade. And every single person who was in my mentions was like, well, of course, I would just join the NFC East, right? Like, that's the perception of the NFC East right now, is that a normal person could take over their GMs, a GM spot in one of those four teams and make the playoffs. I think the Giants will be a little better when you get to them in a second. But I really do think that this is going to be, it's not going to be a tire fire of a division next year. It's going to be vaguely competitive. Someone's going to win 10 games and it might be the Washington football team. They could win 10 games for sure. Maybe yeah, this no, is a playoff I, team. This is a playoff team that well, got I better. Mean, okay. I mean, playoff team and huge Facts are facts. Come on. It's like winning Conference USA. Is that still a conference? I think so, yeah. All right. Uh, all right. That, so we'll be, we'll have more on that, but I, I, I like what they're doing. Um, it, it's, it's a nice signing. All right. So let's talk about the bears. Uh, we know their plan now. Uh, and for the what fourth consecutive year, the plan is no plan. The plan is to just go eight and eight again. So <laughs> save their jobs. The plan is to save jobs when the plan is let's save our jobs. Maybe there's some time for soul searching. So 
Uh, the Bears signed Andy Dalton to a one-year, $10 million deal. Part of this, even though Adam Schefter says the door is not closed on a Russell Wilson trade, part of this is because they could not acquire Russell Wilson. So essentially, uh, according to Ian Rapport and a couple other people, it feels closed to me. According to Ian Rapport and a couple other people, uh, there was a meeting between John Schneider and and, uh, Ryan Pace in Fargo, North Dakota. Cannot make this stuff up. Uh, the Bears offered yeah. three first-round picks, a third, and two starters for Russell Wilson. I don't know, don't know who those two starters were. But the problem is always going to be that the Bears cannot offer them stability at the quarterback position, right? Like, part of the reason, I guess, that Matthew Stafford and, and the golf trade, part of the reason that worked is because the Lions got a quarterback back who can start right away, right? And they won't be a complete disaster next year. The Bears can't offer them. There aren't a lot of teams that can offer that and want to trade their quarterback. Um, and but the other problem is that the Bears are picking 20th in the draft, and there's no reason for the Seahawks to take this. There was never any reason. I thought the entire conversation, Nor, about why the Bears were going to get Russell Wilson was just completely insane because I just th- there was there was no scenario in which that made sense for the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a rational franchise. This is not Jack Easterby here, okay? This all it, the, the Seahawks did not have to do this and they weren't going to do it. So when you saw this Dalton signing, you thought what? It's just more of the same. I we did a pod with um Kalen Jones and Jordan Rodriguez a few weeks yep. back where we were playing quarterback matchmaker and not to toot my own horn here because I don't think that I can fully, fully toot it on this because I said I matched Andy Dalton with the bears, but my actual statement was Andy Dalton, question mark, question mark, because it's just so uninspiring. And so like, you can't really explain what the logic of it is, why it's a good idea, but it just feels so in line with how they've done so many things over the last few years that you can't help but predict it. So it's just, they, they're, they're treading water. Like they have to tear it down. At some point, someone needs to explain to me why Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace were brought back because it can't just be the playoffs. It has to be at some point, one of those guys or both of those guys laid out a vision. And if this was the vision, then everybody needs to get fired. Everybody needs to get fired. And, and there needs to be, just a total teardown of everything philosophical in that organization. So listen, Dalton, I guess the big sell here, I saw some stats earlier that Andy Dalton under Bill Lazor, um, who I guess is, you know, obviously he's on the staff there. Uh, their His tendencies are very similar to, to, to what the Bears do, quick passing game, all that stuff. Uh, I got to tell you, so the numbers in question of the 2017 and 2018 Bengals, I got to tell you, uh, my vision for a franchise is not replicating the 2017 and 2018 Bengals. It's a little nope. better than that. The standard is a little higher than that. I'm setting the bar. I'm not going to say I'm smarter than Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, but I'm definitely setting the bar higher than that. Yeah. Okay. Andy Dalton is the problem with talking about Andy Dalton is that Andy Dalton's career as a whole is probably a little bit underrated. But Andy Dalton right now is not Andy Dalton's career. Like you're going to if you're going to convince me that Andy Dalton, who we saw, who we got excited about and tried to do a little bit of like, ah, remember, Andy Dalton's not so bad last year. And then that did not work out. You have to give me a little bit more. This is the proverbial you, not you, Kevin Clark. Got to give me a little bit more than, hey, Bill Lazor, 
had some of his best seasons in Cincinnati with Bill Lazor. Like, that's very nice. I'm very happy for you guys. I don't think <sighs> like the Bears have been in quarterback purgatory for how long? And you're telling me the way you're going to fix it is, oh, but remember Andy Dalton and Bill Lazor, they did some pretty good stuff together. Like, I'm no. Next. So there's a lot here. Number one, I, I generally approve of Andy Dalton. Some of my worst takes have been overrating Andy Dalton in the past. Um, but this can't be the end result of anything. And one thing that I saw from maybe Bears fans, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I guess they're Bears fans, where they were like, well, th- they tried for Russell Wilson. That door was closed. And now we, th- we have to move on. Right. That was that was what I saw on Twitter from from some Bears fans. Um, I don't know, like, th- I, is that supposed to help? Like, they, the Ryan Pace had a meeting on the side of the road in Fargo with John Schneider, and John Schneider said no, and that was it. Is that mission accomplished? Oh, well, we tried. We're putting the mission accomplished banner out there because they met up in Fargo and they said no. Like, is that is that something I'm supposed to be impressed by? Like, is this, this is, did I miss oh, they, did I miss something here, Kevin? Why were they in Fargo? Uh, pro days. Ah, uh, there we go. Do you wish there wasn't an explanation for that? Yeah, I kind of oh, yeah. do. I really I do. do. But no, I, I just I just think that, you know, this whole thing, it's been two weeks now where the franchise was leaking that they were going to throw the kitchen sink to get Russell Wilson. They prioritized it was a bunch of, you know, it's, you know, the deal. They prioritized him. It was, the phrasing was was changing every report uh, slightly, but it was all the same report. It's that the Bears are selling out to get Russell Wilson. The Seahawks said no. And they said, OK, fine, let's go eight and eight again. Um, so. That's that. Hopefully they they figure something out there. Hopefully things are better, but I'm I'm not liking. They also uh, re-signed Dion Bush and uh, Jermaine Effetti. Excited Great. about that? Oh, All I'm right. just uh, let's, gonna throw let's a parade. Move on. Let's move on to to a team that did a little better today, uh, and that's the Arizona Cardinals, who traded for Rodney Hudson, uh, basically a pick swap, third round for a seventh rounder. Uh, the Raiders, we'll get to this in a second. Uh, Raiders were reported to be cutting him yesterday. They held on to him. They traded him. At least they got something for him. We'll get to that. Um, they also signed A.J. Green. One year, $8 million, $6 million guaranteed. Uh, Rodney Hudson's a lot better than A.J. Green, but I understand why they're doing it. Uh, I, I, This makes sense to me. Um, I like the Cardinals right now. Nora, when you look at the Cardinals on paper, are they an NFC West contender? Yeah. I, you know, I think solidifying that offensive line could really help them. I'm still, I I know we worry about the coaching situation, but I I still feel like we're not so far removed from being really, really, really excited about them. And I still believe in Kyler. I I think the protection was a serious issue there in ways that we don't always identify from last year. And they have enough that they could get good, like actually good very quickly. I, I, the thing about this that I don't understand is why the Raiders like seem to have just gotten tired of their offensive line. Like they just decided they didn't like it anymore and decided oh to tear it down. I don't understand what's happening there, but for the Cardinals, I really like this. So Jerry McDonald, who's covered the team forever, has said he's heard that the Raiders have, are cash poor. He's heard they're not cash poor, but he's also heard they are cash poor. Um, and that obviously goes to, it goes to, to reason as he reports that, that a Hudson release feels like a team that needs some some cap and cash release, uh, cash relief. Um, so Hudson, I saw this in an athletic article by our buddy, Lindsey Jones. Hudson has allowed one sack and two quarterback hits in the past five seasons. Whew. Feels like the kind of guy you want 
on your offensive line. The other thing is like, look at the last two days and look at the amount of money that interior linemen have been getting. Yes. Like, so Arizona is going to pay Rodney Hudson close to 10 million this season. Yeah. 9.5 this year, 10.5 next year. But there's no guaranteed money for next year. Right. So that could end up being, if he's really good, that ends up being a bad thing for them. Right. Because they'll have to extend him um, by next spring if they want to keep him. But they're not sinking a lot into this. And it's at a position that at least for the premium guys that were available in the first wave, this free agency, they got paid. Like this is, I I really, I liked the, I thought the Cardinals had a really good day. If you can go from Mason Cole, and I have to be honest with you, I'm, I, I, I do my homework on this stuff. Did not know Mason Cole was their center last year. Did not know Mason Cole could have been at the meeting in Fargo. He was at the meeting in Fargo. The team is willing to part with with uh, with Mason Cole at any Fargo meetings. Okay, so I, I like it. Uh, AJ Green to me, obviously, it appe- this appears appears to might be a replacement for for Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, AJ Green has not been good in a number of years. He's obviously been banged up. He was in a losing environment. I I can see why you take a flyer on him. Uh, last year, 523 yards, 2019 didn't play 2018, 694 yards in nine games, nine starts. And then the year before that he had a thousand yards, um, has not been truly elite probably since 2015, um, with, with our, with our buddy, Andy Dalton, or after I mentioned it, Andy Dalton, uh, but I understand why you make this move. It's not that much. And, and this is kind of what we talked about with, with kind of these depth signings. AJ Green was not a premium wide receiver out there on the market. Uh, but he is somebody who who was available for for a pretty good number, and you know I, th- I saw Ryan Clark tweet this, and it made me laugh. You don't want to play the Cardinals in a seven on seven game right now. Like the amount of skill talent they have right now is astounding, and AJ Green just just helps in that regard. You know when you also wouldn't have wanted to play this Cardinals team in like 2014, like That's half correct. this team, like JJ Watt. Kyler aside, half half this team is like kind of old, but was just totally dominant and like. 2014. That is correct. Uh, speaking of JJ Watt, so Hassan Reddick uh, went to the Panthers. Obviously, uh, he was made expendable by the JJ Watt signing. Hassan Reddick to me is really good. Had a, I mean, just just an awesome season last year. Uh, I believe he was second in pressure rate last year, um, and then had excuse me fifth highest pressure rate last year, 14 percent, uh, 56 total pressures. That's just a, a a move I thought was a good value signing. Um, that uh, hey, hey Kevin, yeah. You yeah. know, Matt Roll used to coach a temple. You ever heard that? I did. I did know that. I did know that. Temple um, guy. So that's Reddick. a good sign. It's one year, one year, six million, eight million dollars max. I like it. I'm in. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the Chiefs real quick. So they signed Kyle Long. This to me is a great value signing. So it's a one year deal up to five million dollars. Kyle Long obviously took last year off. If he's healthy, this is a game changer. He was at one point one of the best offensive linemen in the league. Uh, The Chiefs were in for Trent Williams. They were in for Rodney Hudson. They obviously signed Joe Tooney to a five-year, $80 million deal. Um, They're addressing what needs to be addressed. And this is something we talked about on the pod the other day. But this is is a team that understands that they have cap limitations, but they're still doing everything they can to to get Patrick Holmes upright. They saw the Super Bowl, all that stuff. Um, So as Nate Taylor points out, so the Chiefs will have five interior linemen next year with Joe Tooney, Kyle Long, uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, uh, Nick Allegretti, and Andrew Wiley uh, in the mix there. I saw Jeff Schwartz theorize that that right tackle is in the mix for Kyle Long. Um, I think that we're going to be able to see some stuff, although the Super Bowl playing guys out of position, you know, wasn't ideal for them. Uh, anything with the Chiefs or Nor? This is just, you know, 
look, his health history is is terrible. It's been really bad since 2015, but it's so cheap. And that's why you do something like this, because even if the likelihood is that he doesn't play a full season or even, you know, he hasn't missed fewer than six games since Mm -hmm. 15. But let's call it if he misses six, eight games or something. And Pl- you start played, having played, r- played right tackle in 15, by the way, just to just just so everybody knows he played. Uh, he was the right tackle in 2015. So that is on the table. But that still for five million dollars, that would have helped them this this past season. And if you're going to give Joe Tooney 80 million dollars in part because he is one of the most just fundamentally sound, consistent, always available guys out there, then you do stuff like this so that if something happens to someone, there's a few more people there to step in. I think they really wished they had that this past season. So I like that they're doing it now. Man, if they had more depth, they might have won the Super Bowl there. Um, so I think it's interesting. I like it. There's there's not a lot to say there. This is this is as you said, it, perf- great point. This is a health question. That's it. It's like an either or. Either Kyle Long is healthy and he's great, or they spend five million dollars on a flyer and everything's fine. Well, and also like if Kyle Long was likely, if Kyle Long had a health history or was a different age that didn't make it likely that he he could miss some games or have some sort of issue there. He wouldn't cost $5 million. Like this is not right. Those things are the same thing or they're two sides of the same coin. Yes. Um, totally agree. All right. Uh, Jaguars, since we did a pod last, they signed Shaq Griffin, uh, Tyson, Olu, Malcolm Brown, Marvin Jones, Jr. For two years, 14 better signings than, than in the first couple hours of fragrance. I think Shaq Griffin is really good. Three years, 40, um, Local guy, local-ish guy, went to UCF, was one of my dad's favorite students of all time. A little, little oh nugget gosh. there. Um, yeah, says he's one of the most amazing students he ever had. Um, Dolphins, down, down the turnpike or down 95, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Jacoby Brissett on a one-year deal. Justin Coleman, one year, 2.75. And then Adam Butler, two years, 9.5. Uh, are the Dolphins and Patriots just going to s- just swap players for the rest of time, Nora? Yeah, so they are having a two-team Yankee swap that is just going to go on forever. All three of these players played for the Patriots. Wow. Yes. And, I even noticed and, that. And Ted Karras, who played center for the Dolphins, yes. is back in New England. I was just speaking about Adam Butler, and then I realized the other two guys had also played for the Patriots. This is just... Oh, yeah. All the pieces fit. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. Wait, can I just say one thing? Because we touched on touched on the Jaguars. I don't think they had a bad day by any means. And I, I like you and like your father, really love Shaq Griffin. <laughs> Um, why is Marvin Jones on this team now? Like, it's not a big deal. It's not a ton of money. But like, why is Marvin Jones on a team that is completely rebuilding? I get it for Marvin Jones, but like, why? I I think that there's just more wide receivers than there are places that want to pay wide receivers. And if you're Marvin Jones and you get money, I think you take it at this point. You totally like think you're Marvin Jones. On the, on the open. Um, but I think if you're the Jaguars, you're not going to get into a bidding war for Kenny Galladay right now. Just give give seven years out. Nine nine million dollars guaranteed. I'm okay with that. Marvin Jones is a pretty good guy. I like Marvin Jones. Okay. Have him in the locker room. I'm good. I'm all set. Okay. I'm not like, I'm not gonna throw a parade for. Her. I'm not gonna nominate, I'm not gonna nominate Urban Meyer for the PFF Analytics Award that John Gruden won a couple of years ago, but it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, all right. Got a little breaking news, Nora. Gabe Jackson. Speaking of the uh of the Raiders, uh <laughs> Cabe Jackson has been traded to the Seattle Seahawks. So there's 
This is like when someone like cuts their hair. They're just like random. They want a new look. The Raiders want a new look. The Raiders decided they hate their offensive line and they want a new I think one. that they might not be able to afford their offensive line. Yeah, that's probably part I, of it. I don't know. I don't know. It feels I, like they just got bored of it. So Vinny Bonsignor, uh, who covers the team, said when you factor in the anticipated releases of Gabe Jackson, Ryan Hudson, obviously they were traded instead of released. Uh, the Raiders are close to $19 million under the cap. Um, so I think they're just going to, they're just probably just going to keep making making moves. Um, I, I don't know what the, I honestly don't know what the end game is. I'm done guessing on the Raiders here. Um, all right. So that was, I mean, that just broke. So we, that was, we'll, we'll obviously get to that um, on the podcast uh, on Friday with, with, with Danny Heifetz and Danny Kelly. Um, all right. Uh, anything else? Oh, Kenny Galladay's visiting the Giants. It's fine. Yeah. I, I, I heard that the Giants were not like thrilled with how the first day of free agency went with them. So I wonder if they're really, truly trying to like, Put something together. And, well, Galladay, and... Galladay to the Giants was always was was always kind of mocked in in Fredensy at the beginning. Um, I, I'm not surprised by that. I am surprised it took this long. If you're taking visits right now, that's usually a, a kind of a bad sign for everybody. Well, right? No, that's that that's what I'm saying. Is like I think yeah, I think there's quite a bit of interest there in terms of also just like doing something, adding something there. Um, yeah. All right. So we'll have more Raiders analysis um, once we figure out what's going on here. Uh, the return, we don't know. It's, it just says a 2021 draft pick. Uh, but the Raiders are remaking their roster. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that develops, what they do with with what they're freeing up. Um, but yeah, that's it. Just came out. Gabe Jackson for a fifth. Uh, the Raiders are just getting mid-round picks all over the place. Uh, now it's just come out that the Vikings signed Patrick Peterson to a one-year $10 million deal. Uh, that's fine. I feel like he belongs in the 2014 All-Stars, though, Nora. Well, that's what I was going to say, is that the 2021-2014 Cardinals took a big hit with this move. Maybe they can bring him back. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's it. I do want to ask you a question. So my timeline's been feuding over this all day. If you did take over an NFL team for a decade, an average team, let's say it's the Bears, would you make the playoffs over a decade? Over a decade, make the playoffs. Over a decade. Would you turn around the Bears to the point that... I'm sorry, division title. Sp- specifically division title. Would you turn around the Bears to the point to make a division title? I kind of don't think so. I don't think so I either. don't know. I think... So here's the one thing that I could do. I could hire my entire strategy. And the only thing that could be my downfall in this would be if I, like grew a real outsized ego and went mad with power. What I would do is I would just try to hire the smartest people and then be like, I don't know what I'm doing, but you are smart and you should do it. There are a lot of people who said that. And my problem with that is it's really hard to know who's actually a smart person. And that there's a lot of people who just take credit for things they didn't do in, in football, as you know. Um, knowing some of these scouts and these people who just like say, oh yeah, I was go- I was all over Russell Wilson. I was going to draft him and they wouldn't let me. Like there's a lot of those guys, right? And it's just really, it'd be really hard to sift through and find those people. Um, I think it's GMing is just an incredibly complicated job. Like even knowing where to start on certain de- decisions, it's not just sitting out around and picking the players and just being like, I'm going to sign this guy. It's like cash flow, it's cap. It's just like, it's being yeah. an NFL GM is actually incredibly boring. There's a lot of minutia involved. And like the, even the organizational part of it, where it's like you're looking at, you're sifting through scouting reports and stuff. Like, oh, most of these guys are just type A weirdos. 
Well, it's the, that's what's so hard about it is that it's, it's one inch and it's 30,000 feet, right? Like you have to have this holistic understanding of what your roster needs are and what, like, are you in a window? Should you be all in? Should you be tearing it down? Should you be somewhere in the middle? Like you have to first and foremost, get that right. But then you also kind of like, you can get raked over the coals if you don't figure out or get good enough intel to know that draft pick X is uncomfortable playing out of position in a certain yeah. way that might fit your ski. Like you have to know the minutia, but you also have to be good at thinking big picture. And it's actually a very small number of people who are good at that. So I, I don't, and I'm not you know what the other thing is. So I don't think I could. You know, the other thing is even if you're good at evaluating a lot, if when you talk to GMs or scouts or whatever, because the fo- game of football is so different in different areas, like even if you're a savant at scouting, you're actually only good at three or four or five. Like sometimes you can only be good at three, four or five positions. Like I remember Rick Spielman telling me that one of the things he does with analytics is what he likes to do is he likes to chart how scouts graded certain players and then see if there's, because a lot of guys can be specialists at like, oh, right. I'm a great, this guy crushes wide receiver evaluation. Or this guy crushes right. defensive ends and linebackers. And this guy crushes def- and cornerbacks. And it's you're looking for different skill sets and you might not be right all the time. Uh, for instance, if there was like a Hall of Fame coach in New England who just could not draft wide receivers, that'd be very funny. Luckily, that would be there's hysterical. Not. This has never happened. That'd be sad. I can't, I can't think it's of never who, you, who you may be talking it's about. It's never happened. Anyway, I don't think that I could. I would make that. I think I'd, I would... Uh, give out a bunch of bad contracts and I'd overthink things and I just couldn't. Do- also, just, I, you'd never I also think it's really hard. It's also just like a management yeah. job. I'd make bad it's, decisions. I don't want to like, I don't want to be a manager na- of anything, let alone like hundreds of football employees. I like I so I was not even I was an editor for a very brief period of time at my college newspaper. And I was not a good editor. I just wanted to do everything myself. Like I was a, I was, I was a drag on the organization, frankly, I'm because kinda, I was in I, a managerial like, capacity. I just kind of want to be a vibes guy, you know? Dude, should we start a consulting group where we're just like vibes guys for NFL teams? Uh, no, we should not. I think we should. This has been the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. No, it was amazing.